It is Matthew 15, it is verse number 21, and we proceed. Then Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she cries after us. But he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. Man. Just about there, I wanted to title this sermon, Who Let the Dogs In? But it's Mother's Day, so I didn't choose that. Verse 27. And she said, Yes, Lord. Yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from the master's table. Then Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. Amen? I need you 30 seconds to offer a prayer for me. Would you stretch your hands in my direction? Could you bless me that way? And I want to bless you in the way that the Lord will help me to do. Oh, so, Lord, I just come to you today on this Mother's Day. So grateful for every attender. Do not let anything interrupt us. Don't let there be any unnecessary going in and out. But let there be reverence of the Word in the house of God. And Lord, we, I pray today, would all be one in your word, regardless of whatever issues we bring, whatever level of spirituality we come today with, I pray that you would build us up, transform us, change us, fill us with Jesus. And God, I think about a dry sponge in a summer rain. Let the rain fall on us if we may be dry. And let it soak us like a dry sponge absorbs wet rain. And let what we receive from you be able to be squeezed out and poured out on others to bless them. In Jesus' name, amen? Amen. And thank you so much for being seated in the presence of the Lord. And would you please keep your Bibles open to this lesson? I want to get right to the heart of what's taking, on, taking place here. So, in order to get to the heart of it, I want you to imagine with me... This woman's, woman's situation. You don't have to do a lot of imagination because quite a bit of it is described. Imagine that you've carried this child in your womb for nine months. You went through the excruciating pain of childbirth. You nursed her, fed her, changed her, watched her grow. Saw her take her first step. Heard her make a first step. Sound and words formed. And you even played some peekaboo with her. It's amazing what we do with children when we get... Uh, it's amazing how we adults can become... And I like that. I, I'm not against that. She's your little girl. You can still remember her first day at school. You can still remember the, the beautiful little outfit she had on her dress, a little lunch bag or, or something like that, a little, a little maybe shoulder bag, taking her stuff to school. And then, then you remember when she came home, you did homework with her, and boy, every time she read out to you, she got a little smarter. Pretty soon you had the smartest kids in the whole school. She's a little girl. Imagine, if you will, and especially ladies would identify that as she grows up and she becomes a, uh, you know, in her middle school age and, and, and even become a teenager, a mom and daughter begin to go shopping together and uh, they go to their favorite stores and, and pretty much, you know, she's, uh, she's learning the language of mom as it relates to shopping. And so they, she's, her mom will say, hey, does this, does this purse match these shoes or these shoes match this purse or does this outfit fit me? Does it go well with me? And they got that shopping thing going. It's a little girl. Now, she's been sick before. Most little children have to go through that, that situation of uh, their body adjusting to coming out of the womb. She's been sick before. She may have had a fever before and a cold or a flu from, the flu from time to time. But this kind of sickness we read about in the Bible in Matthew Gospel chapter 15 was one like she's never had before. It, it was so severe... 
in the daytime, this little girl unexpectedly, without mom knowing or this girl knowing has come upon her, she would start screaming and hollering constantly to the top of her voice. If mom tried to put new clothes on her or any kind of clothes on her because of the severeness of her sickness, she would rip it right off of her. Tear it up in, in, in an effort to try to find help for herself. Rip her clothes. Those, those nice little uh, hairdo that, that mom would do to her hair, like maybe cornrows or ponytails and make it real nice and pretty, they wouldn't last because the, the, the nature of the disease or the demon possession, as it's described in the Scripture, is such that the little girl would pull her hair, pull out her hair even, and the hair that left was on her head, if there were any left, would be, would be distorted and, and, and uh, all the way to the root, her hair would be pulled out and it would be disheveled. A, a, a girl, maybe 9, 10, maybe 11 years old, strange voices would come out of her mouth. Not the tone and the voice of a youth, but the voice that is masculine, that is deep, that is demonic. This girl is so sick, she can't eat, she can't sleep, she can't play. She is, the Bible says in, in verse number 23, if you will, severely demon-possessed, grievously vexed with a devil. I don't know if you've ever seen any person demon-possessed. There have been people who have been credited to have demons, but they really didn't have demons. They were just plain old mean on their own. But I've been around in my lifetime maybe three or four occasions of people demon-possessed. And it is not pleasant. And if you ain't prayed up full of the Holy Ghost, you better run real fast because it's fixing to jump on you. Just a little, just a little. Possibly. Though you don't play with that kind of stuff like Hollywood does. There was something constant about this child the mom observes, as only mom can observe. It was her eyes. In spite of all these manifestations and demonstrations of demonic powers, her eyes look strange. A mother could look in her eyes and tell that what this child was experiencing was no ordinary sickness. It wasn't an ordinary problem. It wasn't an ordinary trouble. And the question that comes to mind is, can you imagine the helpless feeling of this mother? Mother feeling, I'm losing my little daughter. I'm losing my daughter and I don't know what else to do. I think that there's some people in this house that might be able to relate with loss. I think that there's some here this morning who knows what it feels like if you're losing your little girl or your little boy. Or you might be losing your husband or your wife. You can do nothing about it. You might know what it is to be losing a mom or dad, a brother or sister. It's a helpless feeling, isn't it, church? But you know how a mother's love is. All of us do. If a mother has to go miles and search for the help for her child, she'll do it. That's a mother's love. If she has to go out and she doesn't have transportation, but she has to walk down to the convenience store while somebody else takes care of the child in order to get formula or get some fever medicine, and it's cold and it's raining, but her child needs it, you know what a mother's love is. There is no distance or no challenge with a mom on a mission for deliverance and help for her child. It's just the kind of love that no other earthly love can compare with. Give me a witness. Her love caused her to take her daughter to the doctors and the psychologists. And even with the help of medicine or the potential technology of medicine and all they could bring to offer this child, the doctors and the psychologists could not help her daughter. I imagine she took her daughter to the local priest. They went to the temple or the shrine or the tabernacle. And maybe he put some water on her, as maybe holy water. Or maybe he took a little oil and put it on her forehead to help her. And he worked with her best he knew how. But even the local priests could not help this mother. You're going to do some really, really peculiar things sometimes if you really want help for your child. I would, I would venture this. She might have even gone to the local witch doctor, something that she probably never thought she would do 
at all because she didn't believe in him. But she might have figured this child is demon possessed, vexed by the devil. This child has, a, has darkness in her. So maybe if I go to the witch doctor and he can dispel her curse, she took a risk. And the witch doctor did all kinds of concoctions with animal parts and all kinds of other nonsense that they do because it's not of God. Even if you're desperate, you shouldn't go there because you end up with more problem. You ought to say amen. Or, or, I'm telling you, you, you shouldn't be reading your horoscope and you shouldn't be going to some palm reader and you shouldn't be going to some seance and you shouldn't be playing with Ouija boards. And I'm telling you, that's of the devil and hell. And even if you get desperate, you should shun those things because it's not of God. But needless to say, the witch doctor couldn't help. So she's finally out of money and she's out of options. Or maybe most or all of her hope is gone. And she's thinking, I don't know what else to do. Maybe this is my daughter's lot in life. The neighbors have whispered. People who she went to for help have whispered, not, you know, not meaning to be hard and hateful, but they've suggested that this girl is crazy and out of her mind and she needs to be locked up in an asylum. She's a crazy girl. That will be the rest of her life's plight. And the mother's probably thinking, maybe they're right. But then, one day, <laughs> thank God the sun will rise again. Then, one day... The news travels into the village where she lives that a man was coming to town. Now, this wasn't going to be just any man, for he is not an ordinary man. She had heard about this man before, but she thought she would never see him because of the diversity of their culture and because of who she is. She had heard about this man. His name is Jesus. And she had heard about him because delivering hopeless people was his claim to fame. Can somebody say amen? She had heard wherever he was and hopeless people were gathered, he had the power to give them hope. She had heard how he, Jesus, this man, could stop a funeral procession of a mother who was burying her only son. Her husband already died. The father of this son had already died. She is known as the widow of Nain. And Jesus shows up in that town of Nain and stopped the funeral and brought mother's son back to life. And she had heard about him. She had heard about this same man. Maybe she heard... How he came to fame was whatever men gave up on and couldn't help, he could always help. He went to a graveyard and he found a man in the graveyard who was bound up with chains. This man had so much demons in him that they bind him up with chains, but sometimes so much demons in him had so much power, he would break the chains. He would take rocks and stones and sharp objects, this man with demons, and cut his flesh and bleed and groan and wail and mourn and be all over the graveyard. Everybody would avoid him. But she had heard that this man would go where nobody else would go. And when he went there, he would leave the person he met changed by the power of his love. Give the Lord some praise here, somebody. When she heard that Jesus was coming to Tyre or Sidon, where she lived, she became a mom with a mission. You better not get in the way of a mom with a mission. Now, she didn't just get help right away. She had to cross great barriers. Might I elaborate for just a moment here so you can and I can appreciate what's taking place. She had to cross the barrier of being feminine. Because in her day and time, women were considered second-class citizens. There are still cultures, unfortunately, that consider women second-class citizens. That's not how God made them, might I tell you? Okay? And you understand the analogy of yesteryear, and we heard it before, but let me remind you. God made Eve out of a rib from Adam's side to make her a helpmeet equal with him in value. Can I get an amen? And he didn't take, he didn't take something out of Adam's foot so Adam can, uh, can pounce on her and look down at her. Can I get an amen here? Huh? Oh, help me, Jesus. I'm, I'm already preaching before I'm preaching. So, she, she, the issue is, in her day and time, a woman, it was not socially acceptable for a woman to approach a man in public to converse with him. 
unless it was her father, brother, or husband. So she had to cross that barrier. She had to cross the barrier of being a Gentile. That, was, that meaning that she was not born to Jewish parents. And as it was with the Gentiles and the Jews, there were great uh, conflict with them. They didn't like each other. Matter of fact, the Jews didn't like the Gentiles so much that they called them dogs. So therefore, when she got in the crowd, when Jesus came to town and the crowd came around because they'd heard about him too and they wanted help, she had to face the challenge of anonymity. She was just another face in the crowd. How would he ever recognize me? I need help. She also had to go past the barrier of being a Canaanite. Because in Mark's account of this same miracle, she is called a Syrophoenician woman. Canaanites were the people that the Jews were to avoid. They were to conquer them, drive them out of the land, in some places kill them totally because they were pagans. Canaanites worshipped gods of idol and stone and, and they had perversion in their worship and sexual orgies of all kinds in the name of God. Canaanites would often offer their sons and daughters on the altar of sacrifice in order to appease their God. And God said it had nothing to do with them. And here she's a Canaanite going to approach a Jew. That was a barrier. I, I might say this to you. If you expect to get anything from God in 2011, you're going to have to cross some barriers too. Yeah. If, if you expect to get your miracle for your son, for your daughter, for your marriage, for your finances, for your addiction, you're going to have to cross some barriers. One of those barriers is the barrier of time. The question for us is, can a Jesus of 2,000 years ago be practical in 2011? What can a Jesus of 2,000 years ago, Jerusalem streets of uh, uh, Jerusalem dusty sandal feet, what can he do for me? In, in this day and time, we're probably thinking, here, here's another issue about time. We spend so much of our time pursuing things of the flesh and our own gratification and our toys and our habits. And so little time pursuing the spiritual, little wonder we don't get any answers. You've got to invest the time. Oh, I feel it. You know what I feel. I'm not being, you know, in this age of microwave stuff. Huh? You can take something out of the freezer as hard as rock. In about 20 minutes or less, 15 minutes, there you have it. The turkey you were saving for Y2K, 2000. Remember Y2K? Anybody know that? You know, when the whole world was going to fall apart and you had, to, you had the turkey in the freezer, Y2K, you put it in the, in the microwave on the oven, in your microwave oven in about 20 minutes. I dare you to eat it. Don't bring it to the church. We don't want it. If you don't want it, we don't want it. I just, just thought, I'd, why? You're so mean on Mother's Day. I'm not mean. Time. In this age of push button everything, we want to come and say a little lay me down to sleep prayer and expect God to give us a miracle. Come on, somebody help me here. Time. You've got to get past the barrier. That's why you're in this house today. Time with God. Here's another barrier. Culture. Culture says in America, you're weak if you're a Christian. American culture says only people who need crutches and props go to church, read the Bible and pray. Culture says that. Culture says in America, you can worship Allah, you can worship Buddha, you can worship Muhammad, you can worship Hare Krishna, you can worship well, this cult and whatever thing else, because it all takes us to the same place, God, and culture doesn't know the Bible. Now, now this is where you're probably thinking, I I'm a bigot. Oh, oh I'm, I'm just uh, maybe exclusive in my thinking. When I tell you that this book, before culture determines who comes where, this book says that there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved but the name of Jesus. Everybody shout Jesus. Muhammad didn't die for you. Buddha didn't die for you. Allah didn't die for you. Hare Krishna didn't die for you. Jesus! So you've got to get past culture. Let them call you what they want to. But call on Jesus. You've you got to get past the barrier. Pride! Pride is probably our greatest enemy when it comes to what we need from God. Walking around like we got everything fine and in order and wonderful when we know our whole world's falling apart. She didn't let her pride get in her way. You know, you, you, pride is kind of like this. Somebody drowning out in the ocean and help comes out swimming to them and they say, no, no, I'm okay, I'm okay, I'll make it. Help comes from a helicopter with a rope coming down. Somebody got some life ring there. Oh, no, no, I got this, I'm fine. Huh? You know, sometimes we walk around, we know we ain't got it. 
we borrowed more money and we don't even want to, from so many people we owe, we don't even want to answer our phone because somebody else got us. Pride. We had it so long, we made such a mess of it, now it smells bad. We're walking around, I got it, I'm fine, I'm wonderful. Let me tell you something, brothers and sisters. We've got to get past the barrier of pride. And we've got to ask somebody to pray for us. We've got to come to the altar and be anointed another time. We've got to come to Sunday worship and be blessed another time. If pride says, my marriage is okay, and for the last five years you've been fighting, and the Lord's been saying to you and your spouse, go to a Christian counselor, go to the pastor, get some counsel. Both of you are locked, and you can't come to a good reasoning. And, and pride says, no, I can handle it on my own. I'm going to tell you something, friends. If you will hear the voice of God, there are other people who've been through dark nights and rough places, but they went to God and got help. If you go that way, God will help you. If you'll swallow your pride and say, me too, Jesus, I need help. And then science. Science. Science says if you can't feel it, smell it, touch it, taste it, it ain't real. (laughs) Y'all, I'm feeling better than y'all are shouting. Science says it just ain't there. You know, so now everybody wants to see the picture of Osama bin Laden. Because if you can't see him, it ain't real. Okay, let me say this to you. I'm going to get a little political here, but I do have the microphone. Roger, you ever done that while you're preaching? Yes, you are. You have a little mean streak in you. I don't want to see no picture or something about Latin. Okay, that's, that's me. Okay, okay. So don't, so don't send me no nasty email and text. I'll preach about it next week. The President of the United States is... President Osama. <laughs> now you're going to send me an email. Barack Obama. Look here. He is the president. He is our president. He said it's done. He sent our seals in there. He gave me enough evidence. Okay, I'm not trying to. I'm just telling you that I don't have to. I believe it is what it is. I believe he's been taken care of. Okay? I don't have to see a gunshot here. I don't have to see a gunshot here. I don't have to see blood. I know that, I know, and I'm not saying to you that we all just, in everything, we just take things as they are. But, I, but that, I don't have to see, okay? Okay? So let me tell you something. You trust all the time. Anyhow, we're talking about you got to see it, feel it, touch it before you believe anything. We get on airplanes that weigh tons of metals. Metal. Tons and tons of metal. They got baggage under us. You see what they're putting in planes that you're getting on? Tons of baggage, luggage. You ever see what's over your head that your peers and you put over on the top part of that plane? Nobody wants to go to the luggage to get their bag, so they put their mama and their daddy and their kids all up there. <laughs> then you got people beside you in that plane. God help. <laughs> if something happens, you're dead. And then, then they take off. That's amazing. I, I can't figure that out. But I get on them planes. That's faith. That's faith. You see, the Bible says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Can, the Bible says, this is faith. Faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things you hadn't yet seen. You know what faith is? Faith is you go to the doctor, and he or she writes a prescription. And we have medical doctors as part of this church and dentists, doctors who are part of this church and other doctors. So I'm, I'm just having a, a moment here with you. They're out of prescription in Latin or some kind of something. Pig Latin even. I don't know. Then you go to their counter and you pay the doctor when you leave for that pig Latin and for about five minutes of his time for $105. Then you go to the pharmacist and he gives you a prescription. You pay, you pay big for that. And you wonder what... You know what I what said in that prescription? It's the doctor saying, I got mine, now you get yours. <laughs> then, then you go home and you pop these pills three times a day. That's faith. Can I get an amen? Huh? You, you ain't talking about, I got to see it, feel it, touch it. That's, that's the way it is with Jesus. You may not see Jesus or feel Jesus or touch Jesus. But Jesus is with us, and He transformed lives. Oh, I, I, I'm telling you, somebody. I, I'm telling you, you know, I, I can't understand. Sometimes I like a, a nice cold glass of chocolate milk. 
I cannot figure out how a black cow can eat green grass and give white milk. But I like to have some milk. Here's something else I can't figure out. I can't figure out how a black heart of sin can be dipped in the red blood of Jesus Christ and come out whiter than the driven snow. But I am a product of faith in God for the saving of my soul. And if you are saved and you are, you are blessed, put your hands together. Man, I could preach more meaningful stuff if I get rid of the jokes. Let me move on. What motivated this lady? Desperation. This lady lived with a devil 24 hours a day, 365 days in the year. The devil lived in her house through the demon possession of her daughter. When you live with the devil, you're going to get desperate. Don't be looking beside you who's sitting beside you. I said, when you live with the devil, you're going to pray. If your finances get bad enough, if your addiction get bad enough, if your kids get rebellious enough, if your marriage gets stormy enough, if your child is sick enough, I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell you. And now we enter the grandparents mode, my wife and I. And I'm telling you, it is grand. And, and you know, just to see Lakeland spend, spend some time with us, and I'm thinking, they don't know how to raise this boy. Desperation said, I'm going to where Jesus is. She tried everything else and it failed. So I'm living with the devil. I think I'll go to the devil's enemy, Jesus. Not only, I don't need to spend a lot of time here, but a mother's love. Who can describe a mother's love? There are all kinds of definitions for love in our English. Let me back it up. Let me back it up. There's one word in our English language for love. There are at least three, maybe four words in the Koine Greek language for love. Koine Greek would be the language of the New Testament. So you got phileo love, which is friendship love. You got agape love, which is love that gives without expecting anything in return. You've got sensual love, sexual, sensual as it relates to intimacy, all differently defined by different words in the Greek. But in the English, you got one word for love. So you're stuck. Because the same word for love could mean sensual love, sexual love, perverted love, friendship love, agape love. But there's no love in all the earth that can be compared with a mother's love. A father's love. I got to hurry. Everybody else may give up on your child, even there are times that you might want to give up on your child. You have bailed them. I, I have been the pastor of this church for 26 years. I have seen parents go to jail to bail their child, children out more than once. I've seen them go to the hell holes. Pardon if that offends you, but you know what it means. The crack houses and the other places drag out their child one more time. When nobody, their child has caused them to go bankrupt. They've loaned all their money. They have taken a second mortgage on their house. They have got, they, but, but, and the police won't mess with them. And the psychologists won't mess with them. And even some in the church won't mess with their child. Because everywhere their child has gone, they've left uh, the currents of, of negativity. Everywhere their child has gone, they have, uh, they have hurt the name of the family and brought shame. But you, if you are a mother, or you are a daddy, that son, whether he is 12 or 24 or 36, or that daughter, they are blood of your blood. They are flesh of your flesh, bone of your bone. And you'd fight the devil in hell to save your child. Love. i got to keep going here. Vision. Her motivation was uh, something in Jesus that tells me that my child don't have to be like this the rest of her life. I see something in Jesus. Even though he doesn't even talk to me the first time I talk to him, he's silent. Even though when he does talk to me, it's like he almost insults me or does if I don't get this explained to me, then he calls me a dog. And, and, and so, but even in all that, and I'll explain it as I close in a moment, even in all that she sees hope. Everybody say the word hope. hope. Oh, 
hope thou in God. What you can't do, he can do. I, I got to let me move on. She persisted. Now, there are three things that could keep her from getting what she wanted, but she didn't let it. Number one, the silence of Jesus. Look at verse 23. If you're there, say amen. But he answered her, not a word. He practically ignored her. Don't you hate to be ignored if you're talking to somebody? Go ahead and say an amen, somebody. I mean, hear, hear me. Everybody here, if, uh, if you're speaking, you want to be listened to. Probably nothing can make you more mad and get the spirit of slap on you than you talking to somebody and they're looking someplace else or acting like you ain't even there. Go ahead and say amen. Yeah. And, and, and the spirit of slap is not a gift from the Lord. It's something I made up, so don't use it. You know, look at me and listen before I slap you. Listen to this. Even if you're talking to somebody and you know they disagree with you, you still want to be acknowledged. My wife says to me, look, put down the newspaper and the remote. I'm talking to you, honey. I say to my wife, I am multitasking. <laughs> and she knows I am multi-lying because I hadn't heard anything she said. I mean, even Lakeland. I got him in my arms and I'm greeting some of you out here. And if he sees that I'm talking to you, you'll take my head and turn it. Papa! We all want to be listened to. Jesus, this woman got a demon-possessed daughter. She cries out to the top of her voice, and he don't say nothing. You know why he doesn't say nothing? Because he's not trying to destroy her. He's trying to develop her. He's trying to get her faith to a fuller potential of expression. Somebody say amen. You are wrong if you think Jesus didn't care for her. He came to Ty and Sidon not by accident. He might have gone to do a little retreat and get away from the larger crowd, but he went to Ty and Sidon. If he knows everything, he knew there was a woman there. He wasn't a bigot or a racist and didn't want to help her, but he was silent because sometimes, I said last week and I'll say it now, sometimes God is doing a great work in us when he is silent, but we are desperate. Did you hear me? Sometimes the greatest lessons of faith are learned when God appears to be silent, but we are desperate. So he has a purpose for his silence. He's getting her somewhere. Look at this. If she would have let the disciples, they would have kept her from Jesus. Please, in your Bibles, it says in verse number 23, the disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she cries out after us. Isn't that great, clergymen? They're going to be the future preachers after Jesus leaves, and now they won't send people away. Boy, I don't know if I want to go to that church. She's bothering us. They're more concerned about their comfort their ease. You know what she said to herself, I imagine, because she persisted? I didn't make no appointment with you. <laughs> Peter, James, John, I didn't come seeing you. Did you hear me call out, Hey, Pete! I said, Jesus, thou son of David! So you might as well get out of my way somewhere, somehow, before he leaves my neighborhood. I am going to hear from him. There's some people, they don't want to go to church, they don't want to read the Bible, they don't want to pray, they don't want to serve God, but they don't want you to get blessed. Yeah. You bother them when you stand up and praise the Lord, come to the altar and praise God, and they, they want to go and eat food at Golden Corral. Yeah. You, you bother them when you say, sing that song again, or hallelujah, you kind of, kind of get emotional because all of a sudden you realize Jesus is in the sanctuary. Jesus is here, and they can't help me, and they can't help me. Even the pastor can't help me, but Jesus is here. And some people don't want you to get to Jesus. They don't want to get you, but they don't want you to get there. Go anyhow. Look at this. Jesus says to her, I, I was, verse 24, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And she worshipped. Boy, that's, a, that's something to do in the, in the midst of rejection, isn't it? God's silent. And she, puts a, she just falls down and worships. Lord, help me. Now, now, please understand, he goes on to say, it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. Now, if you don't understand that, like I didn't for a long time, that's very offensive. I'll tell you something about some women. Where's my wife? They're going to quit talking about my child got a need. You go calling them a dog. <laughs> yeah, the mission has changed. 
I came here kindly, worship, and ask, and now you call me a dog? Who you calling dog? The understanding that Jesus is giving to this woman is this, and, and I'm grateful that we can know, and it's not a mystery. When Jesus says that I came to the house of Israel, what he meant was my primary task on this earth now before the cross is to minister to the Jews first. That was my first. I'm a Jew sent to Jews. Prophecies of the Old Testament said A Messiah is coming. He's Jewish. And when Jesus came to this world and he ministered, he fulfilled all the prophecies of the Messiah. And he therefore was prepared for the Jews who had heard about him to accept his message. That's my ministry, she said. And then he said, when he said this word, children, verse 26, it's not good to take the children's bread. He was referring to the children of Israel. Can I get another amen? Amen. Because all throughout the Old Testament, and some of the New, the Bible talks about the Jews being the children of God. First priority is the children of God, the Israelites. Then when he uses the word food or bread, he's talking about, it's not meat for me, it's not appropriate for me to give what belongs to the ones I came to, to other people. What I came to give them is the bread of life. Jesus, on more than one occasion, and and I'm hurrying, Referred to himself as the bread of life. So you understand. He says to her, therefore, I cannot take the bread of life and throw it to the little dogs. Now, in the days of Jesus, 2,000 years ago, there there are two Greek words that are used for the word dog or dogs, plural. The first is that word that has to do with a stray dog, a mangy dog, a diseased dog, a ferocious dog, a dog that goes to the garbage heap and the trash heap and the dumps and other kind of places and just survives. Diseased dogs, hounds. And nobody wanted anything to do with those kind of dogs. But in this story, where Matthew records it and Mark records it also, Jesus uses another Greek word. That doesn't refer to a stray or hound, a disease, or rabied dog. When I went to Trinidad some years ago, before I was married, and I went out after high school graduation, I went to my grandma's house. And in Trinidad, I grew up around a culture with dogs everywhere. You feed this one today, the strange one will come up tomorrow, and you feed that, and it'll go away and come. And I got, no sooner I got to Trinidad, I went to my grandma's house, this, this old neighborhood dog bit me. I mean, I mean, it came after me on the seat of my understanding. And I had to go get shots at the local doctor because who knows what this, this dog probably had a shot in his life. I'd like to shoot him. But anyhow, that was, that was that kind of dog. But when Jesus said this word, are you still with me? It is not good for me to take the bread and throw it to the little dogs. He was talking about the dogs that wealthy people would have, small dogs, in their home as lap dogs and family pets. Have you ever had a dog in your house or have one now? Raise up your hand. You understand? Okay. Now, he called her that kind of dog. And all of a sudden, she understood that she wasn't being insulted. So, what, what she did here, and I'm hurrying, is she made no claims other than the claim Jesus made. She didn't demand a spot at the table like the Jews would come and sit because they're priority, they are priority to Jesus. She didn't want to take the place of somebody who deserved to be there. That, was, that wasn't a demand she made. She, didn't, she also didn't want the children's portion. You came to bless them, to heal them, to save them, to deliver them. That belongs to the children of Israel. I'm not even asking for that. But, but you know what I'm going to ask for? Is the category you put me in. I want... To get what the pets in the house get. If you ever owned a dog and you have a house dog, then you know there is a rule of thumb that exists there about the dog. And that is that everything that falls off the table belongs to the dog. Can I get an amen? Oh, yeah. Now, Lakeland is about this high, our grandson about this high, and he's about level of 
Prissy, our poodle. Prissy, our poodle, white poodle, about this high, is our four-legged, four-legged daughter. I didn't ask for her, but I'll fight you over her now. We got to know each other real well. When my wife didn't say it, but I felt it, I felt the uh, vibration. How many of you have been married long enough? you got some vibes coming. You don't have to have the English. When I felt her saying something like, it's you or the dog, I decided I would love the dog. And now I really do. So Lakeland goes around and he got some chip in his hand or cookie or something. And Chrissy about the size of Lakeland. Guess who he feeds? No, Lakeland, don't give her that. That's a... She knows the rule is if I can get around Lakeland or get the crumbs off the table, it's mine. She, can you understand? There are certain privileges that come with being the, pet, being the family dog. And, and so I tell you, she got a few more privileges that I would like to say about if I say it's Mother's Day and I may not get dinner. This woman says, are you all hearing me? I don't want to sit at the table where, the, where you come to those people. I don't want to even want their portion. But, but since I'm, I'm a pet dog, you give me some hope. And I have a master. Every pet has a master. And I choose for you to be my master because you call me that kind of dog. So all I want is the crumbs that fall off the table. I'm, I, 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 come play me some crummy music, man. Let me, let me close this sermon. I mean, some crumbs music. L- look at what she gets by just saying, you see, here's a principle you've got to hear. You've got to hear this. Every ingredient that is in the loaf is in the crumbs. <laughs> Y'all didn't hear me. If, if you're baking the cake... My wife bakes the best pound cake in America. It's been passed down through the Gann family, her side of the family. And she makes that cake par excellence. She puts cream cheese, eggs, butter, vanilla, sausage. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I want to see if you're listening. When Valerie makes her pound cake, Brother Sammy, I drool like the little dogs. Why? Because it stays in the oven about an hour and 20 minutes. She has it in this pan with, what is the one with the hole, the pan? Yes, exactly. Just testing you. I already knew that all along. It, I watch the oven. You can turn on the light and I heard the cake. And uh, it rises. And, and left in there, it begins to rise. And the, the top of the cake, the crust begins to crack. Are you all with me? It begins to get dark. And not dark in the sense of discolored, but the right color. And the cracking creates fragments on the top. She will take it out of the oven and put it on the cooling rack. And look at me like I dare you. But when she's not looking, having placed it from the pan on the rack, there have been crumbs that fell around the periphery of the rack. And whatever is in the cake is in the crumbs. If there's egg in the cake, there's egg in the crumbs. If there's cinnamon in the cake, there's cinnamon in the crumbs. If there's butter in the cake, there's butter in the crumbs. When you come to Jesus, I don't care if all you get is the crumbs. You get all of Jesus. Stand up to your feet. Stand up to your feet. Give the Lord some hand clap of praise. Come on. Oh, <laughs> listen to me. I, I don't ever get to that prayer line. Everybody beats me to it. If you can get, get the crumbs, you still got all you need. Did you hear me? I'm telling you. I'm telling you the crumbs that Jesus gives is better than the filet mignon that you can serve. Oh, yeah. So when, when you get in the struggle and the tight, 
and you can't get it your way, just, just say, I'll, I'll just take the crumbs. Because everything in the cake and in the bread, I don't know what you need today, but I know that Jesus said, Woman, you are a woman of great faith. What you just said <laughs> demonstrates your faith in me. Too many times our pride wants us to be have hands laid on by some famous name. Or get an email for some famous person that they're remembering us and praying for. Listen, all that has its place. But if you are alone in your car and all you can get is crumbs, it won't be long before it turns into a whole loaf. Every mom in the house. I want Pastor Jeff and one or two of other brothers to help me on this side. And, and Phil and one or two of you others. I want every mom to come to this altar right now. And I want, to, I want women to come to this platform. Because I don't have enough room in the altar. Don't leave now. I'm praying just a moment. Then I'm going to let you go home. Or go get, get go to your home. But tarry with me. I know it's Mother's Day. But every some of you ladies, just come on up. Brother, and help them. Come on up. Yeah, come on up. Come on up on both sides. Yeah, Phil, just bring on up here. You know how civil is. She's hard to get. No, just kidding. Come on, ladies. Come on. Come on. Sing. Sing, my brother. Sing. Thank you, Jesus. Sing with them, church. Keep coming. Keep coming, ladies. Many of you that can, I want to pray over you this morning when you go home. about you. I'm telling you, ladies, but this world has exploited femininity. Exploited young ladies, girls. They've told you you had to be a certain weight, a certain shape, a certain makeup, a certain kind of surgery, a certain kind of dress to be valuable. Jesus says, I got more than crumbs for you. <laughs> I've got blessings today. And while you may not have no children demon-possessed, and I pray it never happens, all of us got demons that would like to attack us. And I'm rebuking them this morning before you, in Jesus' name. I'm praying over you the blood of Jesus and the name of Jesus. Bow your heads all over the church. I will offer this pastoral prayer. Father, I lift up these precious women, young ladies. Married ladies, single ladies. Oh God, all women of potential and women, oh God, of your blessing and favor. I rebuke every way that Satan would attack our ladies in their marriage, in their singleness, in their minds, in their bodies, in their self-esteem. Pray with me somebody. God, I rebuke every way that Satan would try to come against us. Somebody's perverted pleasure would be satisfied. I rebuke these, any women, any women anywhere being exploited for the sexual pleasure of a man. Pornography, 
the internet, magazines, movies. I rebuke that, oh God. And I pray that every, every person here today of the feminine gender would have the favor of God. I pray for health for their bodies. Say amen to that. I pray for blessings for their families. I pray that you would rebuke the curse of sin and death unto hell, hell off of their lives. I pray, O oh God, for peace in their minds, for safety for them. I pray that no weapon formed against them will prosper. Bless their children, their grandchildren. Some of these ladies, God, while they like nice things and they want them and in time they will get them, they need some things that money can't buy. For their families, for their future. Give them hope in the name of Jesus. God, in their desperation, let them know the love of God. And I pray like you did for this Syrophoenician woman. Let you be able to say of them, great is your faith. Go your way. You have your miracle. Now lift up your hands all over the church and praise Him for a few moments. Sing that again. Jesus, come on, raise your voices and praise Him. Everybody, praise Him. Like you believe. Ladies, hug each other on the near round. Bless one another. Others of you shake hands.